I've been given the task of tying this all together and wrapping up our time together before communion. And so I have asked uh, Andy Fine's going to come and lead us in communion. Um, let's, let's open the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, God, just a, a day to just set aside, God, just to hear your voice and God, just to put our, our focus, our attention, our priority upon you and your word. And God, we ask that, God, you would, Lord, just uh, solidify these things in our heart. Lord, all of the, the, the word that's been spoken, that, God, it, would, it wouldn't just be going in an ear and out another, but, God, it, it would be the, the very instrument that would transform our minds, our hearts, our lives, our actions. And I just thank you, God, for all that you're doing, God, in the lives of these men. Would you bless now? Our time together as we once again open up your word, Lord. We ask that you would go before us now in Jesus' name, amen. This week, one of the most notorious heathens died. You know who that is? Hugh. And, you know, it's, it's wild because... It was, it was written of him this week that, that he changed the morals of a nation. And I, I for one, was inf, in, impacted by, by his work, <laughs> right? I, I remember as a little boy, um, seven, eight years old, my uncle was living with us in the garage, and he was a, a, a big fan of Playboy. He, he collected every magazine, I think, at every, every issue, every year. And I remember as a seven, eight-year-old boy sneaking into uncle's room and looking at all of the magazines that he had and it, it polluting my mind man from a little boy and you know you, you just kind of like this guy this guy affected my life and as always affected many of your lives just you know the perversion from, from from very young that was instilled in my heart man as a young boy that you know once you once you pollute it it's, it's kind of it's kind of you know hard to uh to undo or to unsee the things that you've seen. I know Poncho was talking about, we, we have it on every aspect of, of life right now, the internet and the phone and all the, but you know, you, you just realize guys that um, he's being celebrated right now. And, and I think that, that's what kind of just irks you. You just kind of, you know, it just, you know, the celebration of Hugh's life. And it's like, man, th- that dude corrupted so many people. And it's one of the lies that our culture has bought into. It's one of the lies that somehow we're glorifying the things that are in darkness and somehow those things that are in the light have, 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 you know, have less value in our culture, in, in our society. I, I was reading a little bit about him, just kind of preparing, just thinking about you know, darkness and light. And, and, and one of the things that blew my mind is that his ancestor was William Bradford. If you've done any any reading of, of some of the old saints. William Bradford was one of the Puritans who came across on the Mayflower in the 1600s. And he was one of, he was one, one of the, the men who w- was, was holding truth. And here, one of his descendants is one of the ones that, that just opened the floodgates of, of immorality and sexual perversion into our culture. Well, one, one of the things that um, 
that Hugh said, he was, he was talking to uh, the Chicago Sun in 2004, and Hugh said this, our family were prohibitionists, Puritans, in a very real sense, never smoked, swore, drank, danced, or hugged. Oh no, there was absolutely no hugging or kissing in my family, Hugh said. You, you see, he, he grew up with a Puritan home, but he didn't experience love. And his first wife, he, he was married to a woman who cheated on him, and he stuck, stuck with her for 10 years, and she had multiple affairs, and it was at that point that he decided he didn't want to be in a, in a, in a, in a monogamous relationship because it was too painful. And so he went into his playboy lifestyle. And, and guys, here's, here's the deal, man. You, you, you and I, we just, we just had an incredible day just hearing God's word and, and hanging with one another. And, and, and several times, I just feel like I'm reiterating what everyone's already said, but let, let me tell you something. You can put on this Christian mask, but if you're not gonna display it with love, let me tell you, it's not gonna impact anybody. Matter of fact, it's actually gonna, it's gonna be counterproductive to the kingdom. You and I have been called to love one another, to love our kids, to love our wives, to love our community, to love the lost. To, to, that, that, that's our legacy. That, that's what's been instilled within us because God first loved us. And because of that, what, we love him. And it's, it's just an incredible uh, you know, picture because the passage I, I, I've, I've been uh, given is, is Ephesians chapter five. Let me ask you to, to turn there, Ephesians chapter five. And we're in the 14th verse. He says, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Therefore, therefore, it's the summary of everything else he had already been instilling into the, the Ephesians. It's, it's kind of really kind of summarizing the whole text that he had just written. Some believe that this was a hymn that the early church would sing. And it was, it was a hymn to awake from your sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. There's others who believe that this is really a paraphrase of Isaiah chapter 60, the first verse, and it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. But one of the things that Paul does in this passage is he wants to now give us the application to everything he's just said, and he's saying, guys, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. You, you've, been, you've, been, you've been vacillating. You've, you've been kind of, you know, going back and forth between, you know, knowing what right is and then, and then and rebelling against your, your very conscience. And he says, wake up. Wake up. You see, we, 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 we can do a lot of things just, just out, of, out of routine. We, we can sleepwalk our Christian life. 
You just kind of, I go to church on Sunday, that's what I do. I go to, I go to Bible study on Tuesday, that's what I do. I go to, you know, men's group, and, you know, and just kind of like, you, you're just going, but you're doing it all just kind of out of road. You're just, you're just kind of sleepwalking through it. You, you can worship and be asleep spiritually. You can read your Bible and you can be asleep spiritually. You can be here all day long and you could, you, you, you could have napped through every one of the studies thus far. Because being awake means that you're, you're actively participating. It's not just something you're doing and, and it's just kind of you're, you know, here. You know, it, it's wild. I, I had uh, two teenage boys. My oldest one, um, he, the, the kid did not like to get up. Go, time for school. I mean, literally wake him up. Okay, okay, Dad. He'd, he'd kind of sit up in his bed, and then I'd walk in five minutes later, and he's tucked back under the covers. Right? And he's like, wake up, dude. Wake up. You're going to be late. Oh, okay, okay, Dad. And it, it got to the point where I said, I'm done. I'm done with you. It just, I'd get, I got a, a water, a water squirt gun. And they just go, oh, psh, 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 psh. In order to wake him up, you need, and, and some of you guys need, need a, a spiritual squirt gun. <laughs> Just, just, just to keep you um, in, engaged because you, you are in a war. We are in a war, man. We're in a war. And, and I, I'll tell you, I, I think the war is intensifying. I, I think there, there's, there is um, th- there's something going on in our culture. I, I don't know if you, you know, I think everybody senses that. I don't know a pastor or a friend that, that's walking with the Lord doesn't know, man, some, something's changing. Something's transforming in society, in our culture, in our world right now. We were, I, I, was, I was away uh, on vacation a, cu- a couple of weeks ago, and, and it, it was supposed to be, the, the, one of the numerologists said, that, you know, net, that Saturday was supposed to be the last day um, the world was supposed to end, right? And then, and then there, was, there was another one of the, the, the great numerologists or someone who fig- thought they figured out that what the Bible was, today was supposed to be the last day. And, and we're still here. But, but you know, the, all, all of these, these guys that are trying to give us the last day, you know, I, I don't buy it all that. Anytime someone says that's the last day, then you probably go, man, that's probably not the day Jesus is coming, right? He said, no man knows the day or the hour. So just kind of, you're trying to check that one off. He might come Friday, he might come Sunday, but Saturday, you just messed up Saturday. Once you said that's the day. But it's, it's, it's incredible that, that Jesus, you know, it, the Paul in the book of Ephesians is, is telling us Christ is the one that's going to give us the light. He's, he's the one who's going to infuse us with, with the truth. And it's an exhortation. The last, the last, the last verse there is, is simply an exhortation for us as men to wake up. Wake up. Guys, we have the, the same tendency... Man, we, we go and we hear God's word. We, we come to a conference like this. And man, we go back pumped. And then it doesn't take a week or a month or a couple that we just kind of loll back into the same routine. You, you know, we come back and going, man, okay, I get it, man. This is it. That, you know, n- n- never again. And, and, and then we're, we're reminded once again, hey, you know what? You, you need to wake up again. It's interesting that that, that idea is used by the Apostle Paul in multiple letters that he's writing to the Corinthians. He was telling them, guys, wake up to righteousness. The, the, the church of Corinth was, as was shared earlier, it was, it was just a, 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 a 
church that had punted when it comes to um, you know, moral uh, conviction, moral stand. They, they were compromising in so many ways. And he tells them in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34, he says, awake, up to, awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. And I thought, man, what, what, what an exhortation that he gave to the Corinthians about waking up. He says, some of you guys don't even know what you're doing. You don't even realize the battle that you're in. You don't even understand who God is by the way that you're living. And this should be something shameful for you. It's a shame that, that you don't understand that, that you're, you're, to, you're to be living a, a righteous life. You're not, you're not to be you know, ex- there participating in the works of darkness. And then he would tell to the church of Thessalonica, and, and, and I'm going to ask you to turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verse 6. That's what he says in, in the sixth verse. He says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, they're drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of love and the helmet, the hope of salvation. And one of the things that that the apostles telling the the Thessalonians is, look, guys, we, we need to be ready. We need to be watching. The whole idea of watching is that you're you're on guard. Because you don't know what's coming tomorrow. We we don't know what next week's gonna hold. And so therefore, we're, we're always, we're, we're constantly in this, on this place where we're, we're ready for a battle. That's why he uses those terms that you put on the breastplate of righteousness, right? That you're, that you're putting on the, I mean, sorry, the breastplate of faith. And then you're to put on love and you're to put on the helmet and the hope of salvation. These, these are all military terms. Because you are in a battle. Because the enemy is constantly looking to take you out. And if he can get you to go to sleep spiritually, then man, he don't even have a he don't even have to fight. He just lulls you. He just coddles you. He, he, he just kind of you know moves you in that direction. And I'll tell you, we're li- we're living in such an incredible time because what what you and I are facing today, guys, is is that acceptance and tolerance is the new morality. It doesn't matter how you live. As long as you accept and tolerate everybody and anybody, then, you know, everything's going to be fine. And you say, no, you said, you know, re- really, all the things that are happening in the dark, th- th- those are the things that, that, that are the enemy of your, of your soul. It's, it, it's, it's, that's why you and I need to put on faith. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. It's the only way, there's only, the only way you and I can grow in faith is we hear the word of God. Faith, faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's it. And, and if your faith's gonna, gonna mature, if your faith's gonna grow, if your faith isn't gonna sustain, then you're gonna have to spend time in this book and getting to know God. That's what he, when, when, he, when he had spoken to the Corinthians, he says, you guys don't even have the knowledge of God. Why didn't they have a knowledge of God? Because they, they, they weren't seeking him. They weren't wanting to know him. 
And, and, and one of the things that, that he's telling there in, in, in to the Thessalonian church is, look, man, think about what happens in the darkness. Man, that, that's when everyone's, you know, getting drunk. That's when everyone's doing their debauchery. That's when everyone's doing, you know, their evil because, because the darkness hides it, right? The darkness kind of keeps it, uh, you know, away from the light. That's why he's encouraging them, man, you know what? You be sober. I mean, let me tell you, man, being sober is something that, that we should be uh, attaining to. It's, you know, there's this new movement in the, you know, in, in the Christian church where, you know, it's okay to, to have a couple beers. And, you know, I, I, my experience is that I, I, never, I never stopped at one beer or two beers. It was, it was like, I'm not drinking just to, to drink. I'm drinking to party, to get drunk. And an encouragement is that you're not being drunk, but you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let that be the influence. Let that be the spirit that's working, not the other spirits. And in his encouragement here is like, be sober and put on, put on the breastplate of faith. That, that, you, that, that you're actually, um, you know, hold, holding on to the things that are, are, are going to benefit your, your spiritual life, he says, then you put on love, love. Man, w- w- you know, I, I grew up in a home, my, my, my dad was, uh, was the macho man. He was, you know, I, my, he just a, a very, uh, growing up, he, he got saved and he be turned into a teddy bear. But I, I'll tell you, I, I, I didn't know what love looked like from my dad because he, he was just a harsh, harsh man growing up. And I'll tell you what, man, you as men loving your children is, is, is um, it's powerful, man. Hugging them, letting them know you care. But doing that to the culture that you and I have been put in. Guys, love. And then it's interesting that he says, and then you put on that helmet, the hope of salvation. Guys, what, what keeps me going, what keeps me going is I know one day I'm going to stand before my Lord. I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to account for my actions. I'm going to account for my life. And, and, and there's my hope is I'm going to stand before Jesus one day. And there, there's, been, there's been many of those temptations. Like, think, man, I, you know, I, I shared, shared with the, the church just a couple of weeks ago. I, I remember the first wedding I had ever done as a pastor here. I was, I was, I was here in the middle, the middle of the wedding, right before we're about to go in and, and, and begin the ceremony. And a guy comes up to me and he says, look, bro, I want to quit doing drugs. I said, right on, but let me pray for you. He goes, yeah, pray for me. And so I pray, he prays for me. And then he sticks his head in his pocket and he hands me this bag and and you know I, I didn't know what it was i just kind of grabbed it we we're walking into the you know to the wedding i took it in my my pocket i had no idea i just clueless i was, I was you know kind of first first wedding i'm going to do i were we're there um doing doing the, the services and get done i'm driving home i'm, I'm kind of just kind of hey that dude hand me some stuff and it was a bag of dope with a pipe and and and, and my the first reaction was dude no one will ever know my first reaction, I can pull down one of the ditch banks, just, you know, smoke a bowl, 
And, you know, I'll just go hang out for a couple. And, you know, and, and, and I, I, remember, I remember just right, right there, it was like a war just went on, man. It was just like the bomb went off. Right? And I remember I'm driving, I'm going, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And I got the back, and I threw the dope right over in the bridge. So, it, you know, right there over um, River Road, man, there's, there's a big bag of dope there still. <laughs> and I remember just feeling that conviction, like, really? What are you going to tell the Lord? What are you going to tell the Lord when, when you follow through with what your flesh wants you to do right now? And I'm going to stand before him one day, and so will you. And you have that hope, guys, that, that, that one day all of this is, 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 is going is to be done with. There's, there's one more passage that he uses that word awake or or, or, or not, not to go to sleep, and it's in the book of Romans chapter 13, and I want to ask you to turn there with me. Romans 13, I want you to look at verse 11 with, with me. He says, and do this, knowing the time that now it's the high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. Do this, do this. Knowing what? That the time is high time to wake up. And our salvation is nearer now than, guys, any other generation that's lived, guys, we're closer than any one of them for Jesus to come back. I don't know if it's going to happen next week, next month, next year, five years, ten years from now, but I'll tell you this, it's closer now than it's ever been. And you, you and I need, need, need to be, uh, you know, aware of that. Then, you know, I, I got saved going on 30 years ago now, you know, and, and I was waiting for the Lord to come back 30 years ago, 1987. I thought for sure the Lord was coming back. There was a book out, 87 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 87. I thought, man, someone's saying, you know, to this is the, and I was just like waiting for the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I got saved before, you know, the end of 87. And here, here, here I'm going 30 years later, and, and I'll tell you what, man, I, it, it's closer now than it's ever been. It's closer now for Jesus to come back. I, I don't know if it's a week, a month, a year, 10, but I know this, man. We're getting close, guys. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Isaiah chapter 5 was an interesting passage. I'm, again, we're, we're, we're jumping. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5 is when the apostle is, is really um, giving a, 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 a parable of a vineyard and God is talk, talking to the nation of Israel because God had given them everything. God, God had blessed them tremendously. And then they, they decided that they were going to punt God and they're going to go do whatever they want to do. And as he comes to the 18th verse of, of, of chapter 5, he, he just simply, and I'm going to read this out of the Living Translation. Just, I, I think it just kind of helps us kind of put this in, in, a, in a simpler um, uh, thought here. But it, Isaiah 5.18, it says this. What sorrow, for, or what sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies, who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and they say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. 
Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan, for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark, but bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. That sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and who think themselves so clever. And really, if you go back to to the the New King James, he says, woe to those, woe to those who somehow think that, you know, the the Hugh Hefners of the world are are, are something something to be elevated, man. Woe to those. Because you're calling dark, you're, you're calling what God calls evil, you're calling it good. After hearing Joseph's story, I thought he was Hugh Hefner. Right? And, 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 you re, and you realize that, that all, all, all of these things, man, that, that this world, is, is, they're selling us a bill of lies. They're selling us a bill of lies, guys. And it's time to wake up to that. Guys, you, you, you're, you're, your identity is, isn't how successful you are in this world. Isn't, that's not about how much money you accumulate or, or, or you know, how, how uh, you know, high up the ladder you've gotten. Your identity is in Jesus Christ and him alone. And then following his truth. That's your identity. And you, you guys, us as men, man, God has given us th- this, this calling. And you have a calling to go out into a dark, broken, messed up world and to shine the light of Christ in every arena that you've been in. You know, th- this is the deal, man. When you're in there and you're living out your Christian life, the love, the peace, the joy, the integrity. When you're, when you're out in this world, I, I tell you what, you, you stand out like no one's business. When, when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and here, here's where I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to ask you guys, turn to me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and I just want to over you. I, I shared this with, with our men's group uh, last Tuesday, and it's just something that, man, it, it just resonated in my heart, and I, I just want to share it with you guys. 2 Corinthians Chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 14. Right, watch what he says there in verse 14. He says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. We are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one where the aroma of death leading to death and to the other where the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? You're, you're the fragrance of Christ. You're the aroma of God. People smell you. When they smell you, man, I hope they smell Jesus. I hope that, 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 that they go, man, there's something, there's something different about you, man. I smell you. There's a fragrance that comes from your life that's, that's different than, than what I'm smelling everywhere else. You're, you're not only the fragrance of Christ, but let me tell you what the scripture says, that people are reading you. They're reading you. You're the epistle. You're a living epistle. He tells us in, in chapter 3, look at verse 1. He says, do we, have been to, do we 
begin again to commend ourselves or do we need a, some other epistle to co- of condemna- uh, commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you're an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of living God and not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh that is of the heart. They're smelling you and they're reading you. You, you, you see, we, we, we all know what, what, what to read somebody is. Whenever, whenever someone walks in the room, you're sizing them up and you're reading them. You're reading them. What, 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 what makes them tick? What's their, what's their priority? What is it that, that they pursue? What is important to them? And it don't take long be spending time with someone before you know who they are or, or where they're coming from because you're reading their life. And you know what? The world is reading you, man. They're reading you. They're smelling you. And they're looking for something genuine because there's a lot of fake out there. They're looking for something that has substance because there's a lot of imitation out there. No, no, not that you're perfect. Not, not that, you, that, that you, you know, anyone's looking to you to, to you know, for, 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 you know, any kind of, um, uh, you know, model of, of, of what perfection looks like. They're looking for someone who's real and just saying, look, this is who I am. I have my flaws, but I'll tell you what, I know, I know who Christ is and I know, I know what my priorities are and I know who I'm living for. I know, I know when, when I blow it, man, that, that, that God's right there to convict me of it and I'm ready to, to hear it and repent of it. You see, God, God, what, 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 what we're looking for, man, is, is, is that, is that we, we need to be real genuine when when people smell us and when they read us and then when when paul gets to the fourth chapter watch this man i i I love chapter four verse one because it's here that that he kind of puts this into 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 the into practical watch watch what he says therefore therefore because people are smelling you because people are reading you he says therefore since you have this ministry as we receive mercy we do not lose heart. Since you have this ministry, and Paul makes the assumption to the church of Corinth, of all people, guys, the Corinth was, you know, the whole, the whole first epistle to the Corinthians was corrective. They were the most messed up church, you know, documented in Scripture. And he says, look, you guys have this ministry. And because you've been given this ministry of, of representing Jesus Christ and because you've received mercy from God, don't lose heart. Don't punt. Don't make excuses. Don't throw in the towel. Don't lose heart. Because you've been given one of the greatest privileges that a man can be given. You've been given this ministry of representing Jesus Christ to a world that's living in darkness. That's your role. As, I, as a pastor, man, I, I get the opportunity, to, you know, on, on, on many times, you know, to share God's word. But I'll tell you what, I don't get the opportunities you get to represent Christ in your workplace, in your home. 
in your hobbies, amongst your friends, in your family. That's your, that's your ministry. Your ministry is to go out and, 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 and represent the kingdom of heaven. And, and look what he says in verse 2 of, of chapter 4. He says, but we've renounced the hidden things of shame. We're not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully by manifestations of the truth, commending ourselves, every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. I mean, everything in chapter two and chapter three and chapter four, he's just saying, look, let me tell you, your, your representation is what's gonna bring truth to the world. And if anyone doesn't receive that truth, it's because they've been, they have a veil over their eyes and the God of this age has blinded them through that and they're living in darkness. But that's not you. Because you're living in light. You're living in the truth. And you're living with, with, with this, this, this image of God shining in your life and the image of God can be shining on their lives. It's, it's, it's cool because... At, at, at that point, look what he says there in verse 5. We don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves as bondservants of Jesus, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow, isn't that a great passage? I'm not preaching me. I'm preaching Jesus. I, I'm not out trying to, to you know, impress people with me. Man. I, 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 I want people to see Christ in me. It's, it's there down in verse, in verse 10 of that same chapter. That's what he says. Actually, go to verse 8, I think, in, in order to get the context. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, we're not forsaken, we're struck down, we're not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Guys, again, he tells us, look, let me tell you what's happening. The, the life of Jesus is being manifested, it's being revealed, it's being seen. And you. Guys, here's, here's, here's what I'm convinced of. If, if every one of us men walk back out into that world, your job, your home, your family, your friends, and you manifested Jesus Christ, we would see a revival break out. Because let me tell you something, man, the light is powerful. And if every one of us did what our ministry was, man, th th this, this valley and every, every valley community represented here would be transformed just because men decided that we're, we're, we're not gonna go to sleep anymore. We're gonna wake up and fulfill our ministry, representing Jesus Christ everywhere that we go. He didn't, he didn't stop there. Look, look what he says in verse 11. He says, and we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. 
That's, that's, that, 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 it, it, and, and what Paul's talking about is, look, all the trials and tribulations and all of the, the difficulties that, that he was experiencing, and, and, and really what he's saying is, look, none of those things move me because this is, the, this is what I know, man, is that Jesus is my, is my strength. He's the one who's going to sustain me. And you're going to be persecuted, and, and through your persecution and through your trial and through your tribulation, it's going to give the opportunity to people to go, man, how, how come you don't freak out like everybody else does? How come you don't lose heart like everyone else does? How come you didn't throw in the towel like everybody? Because, man, Jesus has sustained me. And you're to manifest him even through your trials and your tribulations and your difficulties. And that's why Paul, in, in this passage, just, sim- just simply breaks it down. He says, look, uh, you... you um, have a ministry of representing Christ. And the only way that you and I can do that, guys, is if we're not walking in darkness. I, I, I know this, man. When, when we're, we're dabbling with darkness, we, 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 we don't have the boldness any longer to stand in truth. When, when you're dabbling with sin, man, the power of the Holy Spirit's no longer present in your life. I have um, a guy who's become a good friend over the last couple years. Pastor. Who I was doing his, it just a, a church that was really had dwindled and he came in and, and, and the church began to thrive. It was, it was I was just like, man, that, that, that church is going, that church is rocking, it's doing some things and and, and just in, in the last couple of weeks, man, it's been, just kind of came out that, that he's having an affair with another woman. And I'll tell you, that church is rocked right now. Because he was walking in darkness, man, and now there's, you know, just, just all the ramifications of that. And then uh, as a pastor, that, that has devastating effects. Can I tell you something, man? For your family, when you're walking in darkness, it has devastating effects devastating effects not 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 just to your immediate family to your friends and to the people around you because you were the light you were the one walking in truth and now you've you've punted and my prayer for us this 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 morning we're, we're going to wrap this up this evening but but my, my prayer for us as men is, is that we would wake up guys real, realize what's happening Realize what's happening. And you've been given this incredible privilege of being the fragrance, being the book that people are reading, the manifestation of Jesus Christ being exemplified through your life. Man, don't take that lightly, men. Know that you've been given a great ministry. Guard it. Treasure it. And that God would use it in a mighty way for his glory. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your amazing grace, your amazing love for us. And God, we're, we're, just, we're just a bunch of broken men, God, and we know that we can't do this ministry without you. 
Lord, we need your power. We need your grace, your love. And Lord, I just thank you. Lord, this, this, just this whole day, God, exhorting us as men, not, not to just to be those who, who are talking about being Christians, but those who are out there living the Christian life, loving, ministering to those around us. Lord, would you, God, just go before us. Lord, as we partake of communion now, we're reminded of the great sacrifice that you've made for us. God, would you just, Lord, bless these men as they travel home. Bless them as they go back to their wives and back to their children and back to their grandchildren. And God, may your love just be manifested, uh, Lord, in, in everything they do, God. We just thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for this time and thank you for these guys, Lord. And would you just go before it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.